Hey everybody, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach. You know, we talk about a lot of business topics, but by far the question I'm asked the most is how do I grow the value of my business so I can sell it someday for an outrageous price? So we've created a special report for you on 10 tips to grow the value of your business. Just text the word DRIVERS to 44222 to get this special free report delivered right to your inbox. That's DRIVERS to 44222. Text DRIVERS to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know, this show, we go all over the map when it comes to the topics and things that we've discussed. I've interviewed over a thousand advisors over the last couple of years, and you'll find it all at exitcoachradio.com. There's, a, uh, there's an archive there, and we, have, we upload a new 20-minute um, uh, interview and a one-minute highlight every day uh, on our app, which you can find in the uh, Apple Store or if you just put in exacoachradio.com from your phone, uh, you'll pull up our, our private app and you can listen every day. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, my next guest is Chris Colton from Hub International, and they are commercial insurance consultants out of Carlsbad, California. And uh, they, uh, they handle um, all kinds of insurance. When it comes to businesses, uh, they work particularly in directors and officers liability and executive liability, uh, management liability. So they're a subset of the commercial property casualty industry, but uh, these insurance products are specifically designed to protect the personal assets of business owners and entrepreneurs in the event they're involved in costly corporate litigation. So let's talk about that. This is an important topic. And uh, so grab a pencil and a, a pad of paper and uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Bill. Good to be here. It's great to have you, Chris. Um, we, we met before and we talked a bit about this and I was intrigued by this particular niche that you're in. Um, tell us before we get started, tell us a little bit about you and uh, uh, how you came to Hub International, what it's all about and what you guys do. Absolutely. Uh, I started my insurance career on the uh, carrier side with uh, Chubb Insurance Company. Um, underwriting directors and officers liability for privately held companies, publicly traded companies, and non-for-profit organizations. Did that for about eight years and uh, several years ago made the jump over to Hub International on the broker side working directly with clients um, and, and bringing clients over the wall, if you will, on the ins and outs specifically related to these lines of coverage. Um, it's it, Like you said, it's a subset of the property and casualty uh, insurance world. However, uh, what we find out there is that the uh, brokers out that are licensed to sell these products are more often than not uh, pretty uh, poorly educated on them. And uh, they're become, as a result, there's this large educational gap between uh, business owners and entrepreneurs that need these products and available consultants that can uh, – adequately explain what it does and why you need it and when you can uh, anticipate on utilizing it. Well, 
it's it's very you know the world of insurance for for our listeners as you know can be very very complicated there are so many nuances and things to be aware of and to cover um, and Chris we talked about especially especially for for our listeners and a lot of them are thinking about their you know their their last five years of business not their first five and when when it comes to exit planning. Let's talk about what role these these policies can play for business owners uh, in their exit plan. Absolutely. So particularly when you're talking about directors and officers liability, the policies are are designed so that if if there's a an asset sale of the company, uh, the policy is frozen in time, if you will. So uh, in the industry, we call that runoff. So if if I'm a, an entrepreneur or a business owner and I'm looking to exit within five years' time, uh, it's important to note that, yes, check the box that you have the insurance coverage in place first and foremost, but when it comes time to sell the company and, and to officially exit, you want to make sure the coverage is where it needs to be as far as, as adequate to your to your personal needs because once you sign on the dotted line, you can't change the terms and conditions of the policy. And then it's possible that you take a snapshot of that policy and you freeze it in time for a period of six years to cover you in the event that any litigation are to, is to come up down the road. Maybe uh, the entity that you sold to alleges misrepresentation uh, you know, at the time of the during the negotiation process when you're selling the company and it doesn't come out of the woodwork until four, five, six years down the road, you have the option of dragging that coverage out for you for six years. So one of the things we tell our clients is if you are planning an exit, when you do make your exit, take your director's and officer's policy home with you. Don't leave that behind because you never know when you may need to call back upon it in the next six years. Yeah, and we hear this a lot. Of course, uh, you know, within the world of exit planning, there are always terms, almost almost always terms. Very rarely does someone sell for cash and, and everything's out and done. Usually there are terms that would require someone to take some kind of an installment pay that payout over a period of years called an earnout or something along those lines. And those can be adjusted if things don't work out as expected. But sometimes um, buyers of companies have uh, some kind of a, you know, either maybe they can't run it properly or maybe, maybe there was something that wasn't quite right or maybe it's economic or whatever, but they come back and say, we have huge buyer's remorse uh, on, this, on this deal and we're coming after the person that sold it to us and we're going to sue you. So let's talk, what would a case like that look like that you might have seen before and how would this coverage uh, be a, protection against something like that so the ideal scenario that that you lay out is that the uh this the, the business entrepreneur business owner who is selling the company uh has a director's and officer's liability policy in place before they even begin no negotiations with the seller um, we've seen scenarios where company a sells to company b and there are dissenting shareholders, meaning that there are people with a interest stake in the company that sold that now come back and say, hey, uh, we disagree with the sale price. Uh, we think we should be getting more for our shares in the company than uh, whatever was agreed to. So that's a, a common scenario. Um, one of the things I want to be uh, 
you know, of the few takeaways that we can get out of the the time on the call today is is oftentimes a buyer will come in and they will dictate, hey, we have a request of insurance coverages that we want to see put in place, and one of them will say directors and officers liability with the intent that the buyer will put that policy into a what we call runoff where you have six years to call back on it if there is a business dispute. Uh, we always want to advise people in that position if selling to engage their own broker to look at that agreement. Don't just go with what the buyer is telling you to do. Uh, oftentimes there's, there's bad advice in those agreements saying, hey, we want to be added to this policy before you officially sell the company or hand the company over to us. And clients don't realize that they could be potentially jeopardizing coverage for themselves because if they're added to a DNL policy and the buyer sues the seller, it's not going to be covered. So those types of nuances are things that we definitely want to keep from happening out there for the business owners and entrepreneurs that want to successfully exit with as little pain as possible. Now, you, and then, so of course this is directors and officers. So that kind of uh, gives us an idea about um, the officers. And again, the scenario you painted was you have, you have minority shareholders that were kind of, that had to tag along with the sale um, because they couldn't swing the vote. And then they, they're disgruntled that maybe they didn't get enough and they decide, let's do something about it. Let's sue the majority shareholders. Is that what you're getting out there? Correct. Yes, exactly okay. right. Yeah. So what about the, the, let's move on to the director side of it. So um, a lot of businesses that, that we work with, Chris, are uh, maybe, I would call them um, small but midsize. So they're midsize but small. Right in that space somewhere, they're not, they're not big enough where they, they have, uh, a lot of shareholders or they have a big board of directors, but they, maybe they want to move into that and have some directors. Um, are they too small for, for DNO insurance? That's a good question. We get that a lot. Uh, the, the name directors and officers liability doesn't really do that insurance product justice. It's better referred to as personal asset protection. Uh, the policies are quite broad. So even though it, the title is directors and officers, it extends all the way down to employees of the company as well. So um, even if you don't have an independent board of directors, you're not publicly traded, uh, you're closely held, the policy still gives a lot of coverage to the business entity itself. So things, coverage against claims from third parties like regulatory bodies, that would be contemplated under the coverage. So um, it really is a misnomer out there to think that the only people that can get value out of a director's and officer's liability policy would be, you know, a large publicly traded company with a high-profile board of directors. Thank you for clearing that up. I think that's very important for our listeners to know. Um, so, so when is the, the right time to call somebody like yourself to engage a broker and talk about these policies? You know, it's it's the right time is, is really as early as possible. So the reason we say that is is you want to procure a director's and officer's policy well in advance of contemplating a sale of the company. So oftentimes when the underwriters are looking at your risk profile, determining what they're going to charge in premium, what the limits and deductibles are going to be, they will ask you if in the next 12 to 24 months you are contemplating uh, some sort of uh, divestiture or M&A activity. And if you answer yes to that, the underwriter is going to come back and be very transparent with you. They're going to want to know what you're thinking, what you're contemplating, uh, who potential buyers would be, what you may ask for the company, and they're going to increase the price uh, quite significantly because 
Uh, it's very common from a risk standpoint to see claims arise out of this type of, of business activity. So if you can check no on the box of we are not contemplating anything within the next 18 months, you will be able to get this coverage. Uh, the process will be easier, the cost will be much less, um, and it will it'll accrue to your benefit as you uh, maintain the policy for several years before you actually sell the business. So my recommendation would be at least three years prior to an event like this, uh, the earlier the better. And is, is there a, a situation, I mean, where, at what size does this start to make sense and what size does it, does it kind of not make sense? Because I would imagine that, you know, this, this coverage is, it's, is it based on the, the amount of, coverage that we're buying here is that and is it, is it really expensive? Yeah, good question. It, it really does vary. So the underwriters look at who owns the company. The underwriters look at the relationship between the individuals that own the company and the individuals that operate the company. If you are a sole proprietorship and there's no uh, bifurcation between ownership and actual operations of the company, it's not going to be an expensive policy to procure. Premiums can be very competitive, uh, you know, couple thousand dollars a year. Um, if you are a more complex organization and you have a shareholder base and a dedicated set of directors and officers that are managing the company and have a fiduciary liability to those shareholders, um, underwriters are going to look at that as a little bit bigger of an exposure and charge accordingly. You're probably looking at paying more about $5,000, $6,000 a year for insurance in this space. Um, so that okay. gives you a little so, bit of an idea of what you could budget for for something like this. And so, so the the fact there's multiple factors as far. What about? Uh, I was thinking, you know, if uh, a business owner has done a lot of planning, we see this a lot uh, where we where we talk with people, their valuation and their ability to uh, to effectively sell or transfer their business um, is directly related to the amount of of planning that they've done, the processes, we call it, you know, the, the processes, the people and the profits basically uh, paying attention to and designing these business. So this, you know, we always say in asset protection that insurance is always the first line of defense. I mean, you can put things in trusts and, and uh, LLCs and, uh, you know, move it across the country, but if you should have a first line of defense and that would be your insurance. So in this kind of a situation where people are, especially getting ready to prepare to sell their business, they, they really should look into this a, as a first line of defense. Is that fair to say? Absolutely agree with you 100% on that. The unique thing about directors and officers liability is that it's really two policies in one. It's personal asset protection for the individual directors and officers of a business, but it's also coverage for balance sheet protection of a company. So it's really the only insurance product out there that contemplates two scenarios, whether or not the company gets pulled into corporate litigation or whether or not the individual director and officer gets named in a lawsuit and pulled into litigation that way. And the policy is actually designed to, to function differently in scenario A and differently in scenario B. So if, if uh, a successful exit, it, it, I really think uh, – Insurance is always going to be a check-the-box item, and, and yes, we have the commercial general liability that we are obligated to have and, and those more traditional policies, but uh, the directors and officers liability, I encourage our clients not to treat it as a check-the-box item and make sure that coverage is going to 
respond the way they expect it to. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Would, would having directors and officers liability coverage at, at the seller level make it potentially easier for a buyer to get financing in some way? Kind I think it's going point. to make it, it's going to be easier for the, the buyer to get comfortable with taking on this asset. Um, I can't say with certainty that it's going to directly apply to making it easier on the financing side, um, but it's a, it, it's a proactive benefit that you can have in place to tell your sellers, we already are purchasers of directors and officers liability. The longer you've had it in place, the better off you're going to look to the seller. And it really shows them that you are taking a proactive management approach to your business and mitigating uh, unknown risk. Fair enough. Okay. Thank you. Um, thanks for clarifying. Sorry about the curveball there. Uh, you, no problem. <laughs> so here's another question <laughs> is, uh, a lot of our listeners are uh, potentially looking at employees or even maybe family members or family businesses uh, being the buyer. In those kind of situations, does this type of coverage make sense? And if so, why does it make sense? I think it still makes sense. It's unfortunate to say that we, um, you know, we still see situations where there is some fallout between family members. So um, in a perfect world, that wouldn't be the case. But I can tell you, we spend a lot of time talking to our clients when there is a family component to the uh, ownership structure, um, you know, about still making sure the coverage responds the way that you want it to as you exit, regardless of, of who the seller is, whether it's a lifelong friend of yours, an employee of yours for the last 25 years, or a, a, an, an heir of yours, a, a son or, or daughter, if you will. So it's, it really doesn't uh, impact what our recommendation would be as counsel on the, on the DNO policy at the end of the day. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to liken it to like, let's say you, uh, you allow your, your, your children to come live in your house. It's your house. You're still going to maintain fire insurance on the house, right? I mean, you're not going to say, well, it's them, so let's just let, let's just let that, I'm not going to protect myself. It's protecting, it's protecting yourself from any future acts. And remember, remember, listeners, it's not the family members, it's not the employees, it's the attorneys that they hire that you're protecting yourself from in these situations. I try to tell people that, hey, it's all friendly now, but you're, if, they, if anything goes wrong, they're hiring people, and those people are not going to be your friends. You're, you're in a war zone at that point. Absolutely, so, and... and yeah. The analogy you made on the homeowner side is is 100% spot on. That if if you're going to have a, a child move back in with you after college, you want to make sure that there's you know the homeowner's policy is still going to cover you. Same yeah, and I'm, I'm even thinking let's let's say you want to move to an apartment somewhere from your home and you let your kids then kind of take over the home. You're not going to, but you but you still own it. Uh, uh, you, you know you're you're going to want to make sure they have the coverage or you have somebody's got to cover that asset. And that's really important in this situation. So Chris, what are some of the things when, when you've talked to people about this, what are some of the areas where they've said, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. That's a big, that's, that's, that's really a surprise to me. And I'm really glad I know that now. I would say the biggest area that people don't realize when it comes to these types of policies, and, and largely it's not their fault. It's the fault of the broker community because we've been, uh, a lot of us have been selling it the same way for the last 50 years, 
is that unlike a uh, general liability policy and a property policy or an auto policy, those are all standard forms that the uh, ISO office writes the coverage form. So they're all the same language at the end of the day. You can add on different limits to those. When it comes to directors and officers liability, that is not the case. Every contract that each insurance company, whether you're AIG, Travelers, Chubb, CNA, they're all worded differently. So unless you are reading that form from front to cover and saying, hey, I have questions here. I want to make sure this language is, is going to accrue to my benefit if I ever have to go to court, you're, you're really kind of missing the boat there. And, and it is one of the areas of insurance where you could be paying a premium year after year after year, and you may not notice an exclusion buried within the policy, and you finally are or pick up the phone and call your broker because you have a situation, you're, you're, you've been named in a lawsuit, and I'm sorry, this is not covered. There's an exclusion in the policy for this, and you've been paying all that premium for nothing this whole time. So um, as, as D&O brokers with uh, dedicated expertise in this area, we make sure that uh, we, we try to allow that never to happen. Yeah, and I want to I make that clear to our listeners is that uh, you may have a, a really good insurance agent who talks to you about your workers' comp and your general liability, uh, and they may not think to bring it up. I, I see it a lot in the life insurance side where your life insurance agent um, should be talking to you about disability coverage, uh, at least letting you know that that's a risk and you should think about covering it. Maybe it's long-term care coverage. It's these, up, these little niche things. Just because they don't bring it up doesn't mean it's not a risk. And so this is a situation where if you're contemplating the, the sale or transfer of your business, the, the, it's generally going to be an asset sale, you should be asking someone, and why not ask a specialist like, like Chris Colton? Chris, what's the, you offer a, just a free kind of a Q&A or a consultation for people that say, hey, uh, tell, me, tell me about a little bit more about this and maybe why I should have it, and, and then maybe we go figure out what, my needs are and a quote might be for that. Uh, how do people best get in touch with you to talk about this? The easiest way is to email me at chris.colton at hubinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S dot C-O-L-T-O-N at H-U-B international.com, all spelled out. Or they can call me at 858-373-6901. And really, we offer two services. If you already have the coverage in place and you just want a second set of eyes to make sure it's doing everything that you expect it to be doing, we can offer a free audit and look at that for you and happy to come back with our recommendations on coverage and, and wording. Or just have a, a high-level conversation if you're contemplating looking into the coverage for the first time, why you may want to consider it and what levels of uh, limits and deductibles uh, you should be considering. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're contemplating the, of course, you probably would be contemplating the sale or exit of your business, or you probably wouldn't be listening to the show, why not pick up the phone and call Chris at 858-373-6901, 858-373-6901, Chris Colton at Hub International. You know, he'll, he'll basically tell you, might, might uh, let you know what you don't know, and, uh, and you might be really happy someday that you made that call. So Chris, I want to thank you for coming on to the show and enlightening our listeners. It's been very interesting for me. And I know that it's, uh, if you're an exit planner and you're listening to the show, you should probably go deep on this topic with your clients. 
and let them know that uh, this is an area that they should, it's a first line of defense for people and they should certainly be uh, knowledgeable about it. Uh, they'll, they'll thank you in the end. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you coming on to the show today. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. For Exit Coach Radio, I'm Spike Real.